today, I'm going to start in Job, and then I'm going to jump other places. Is that cool with you guys? I mean, for those of you that brought Bibles or you got the app on your phone, if you want to follow along, you're free to. You don't have to. All I ask is you listen and you pray for me as this goes on, okay? <laughs> that way, everything is from God, not me. Sound good? Okay. Well, then, then what we're going to do first, we're going to pray. Okay? So, Father, we praise you and thank you for this time that we can all come together to hear your word be spoken. Lord, to read from your book that you wrote through pretty messed up men, but you wrote it nonetheless. So, Lord, I just pray that tonight you would speak through me, that you would touch hearts and minds in this room, including my own. So, Lord, these things always preach to the person speaking as well. And, Lord, I pray your hand be over each of these men, Lord, that you would just do something in their life. It doesn't have to be something exuberant. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. But, Lord, put your hand on them that they may know you are here and that you are with them and that you truly are real. Right? Because I think that question comes up a lot. Is he really there? The answer is yes. So Lord, we give you this time. We give you ourselves. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, you guys all know kind of the story of Job, right? right? If you don't really know the story of Job, here's a quick synopsis. He's a righteous man. Got a lot of stuff. Okay. Now, Job lived about 300 years after the flood. Okay. So, after they came out of the ark and they started to reestablish the earth, 300 years after that is Job, roughly. Okay. It's an estimation, but we're close. Okay. And more than likely, he's probably one of the only people on earth who cares about God at this point. Okay. Because at the Tower of Babel, right? They started wanting to make a name for themselves and then God confuses the language and they spread out all over the earth. Hey, well, Job is a descendant of Noah in that way. Hey, so you have Job, who's this righteous man who has all this stuff seemingly blessed by God. But can we all agree that having a lot of stuff doesn't mean necessarily you're blessed? I mean, because even Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to go through, go to heaven. Right, because you can get caught up in all the stuff. So, one day, right, we have God is having a meeting with all these different angels that he has created, and Satan shows up. Right, if you didn't know, Satan still has access to heaven. That's why he's called the accuser of believers. Okay, so he's there, and he says he's been roaming the earth. God says, Well, have you considered Job? Satan says, well, it's because you protect him. And you allow all this to happen. Take it all away from him. And he won't, he won't honor you anymore. Right? So, he gets afflicted. He loses his family. He loses all his stuff. And then he's all of a sudden, he's getting you know, afflicted in his body and all these different things. His wife is telling him, curse God and die. Right? How would you love to have that wife? Some of us probably have. Okay, my ex was probably close to that. Okay. It was always these guys telling him, dude, curse God and just be over with it. Because look, you probably did something so horrible, and that's why this is happening to you. Well, and at one point, Job is just like, you know what? Y'all just shut your mouths. And he says this, and it's in Job 19. Because he's looking forward and he's he knows something that 
it seems no one else really, really knew. And he says in Job 19, verse 25 through 27, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will take His stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and from my eyes will see and and not another. My heart faints within me. Job understood that one day there was going to be a Redeemer. Now, there's a lot of debate on who this Redeemer is. I don't care about all that. The reality is, is it's a foreshadowing of the Redeemer who is Jesus. Even if it is some other Redeemer, it all points back to Christ as our Redeemer. Okay, so so he says, look, my Redeemer lives. He's already around. He's already taking care of me. He created me, right? The world, everything was created through Christ. Okay, because he is God. Always has been, always will be. Okay, so Job is like, I have a redeemer. I know that no matter what happens to me, to my stuff, to my body, I will see my redeemer. Go ahead. You're good. No worries. (laughs) And he says, even after he is long dead, right? Because we all die and we all return to the dust. He says, after my skin has been destroyed, he knows that in his flesh, okay, his immortal flesh, the new body, the resurrected body, he will see Christ. He will see God, the Redeemer. Okay. And, and, and think about that. Job is 300 years after the flood, which means roughly close to 3,000 years after creation. I mean, somehow the idea of what God spoke about when we, when we read the first three chapters of Genesis stuck with him. The fact that there will be a redeemer whose heel is wounded, but he will crush the head of the serpent. Right? Meaning Jesus will be bruised. He will be bloodied. He will be crucified. But through that, he will crush the enemy who is Satan. Okay? And to have all that through everything, through that many years and that much time, for at least one person to still remember that. And to have this idea that there will be a final resurrection. One day, we will all be resurrected. The ones who get resurrected first are the ones who are followers of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, congratulations. You'll be resurrected even before the rapture. And you will be given your glorified bodies. How many of us are so ready for that, right? We don't know what those glorified bodies are going to look like, but we know they're going to be perfect. They're going to be incorruptible. They're going to be what we were always meant to be. And we were always meant to be perfect and incorruptible. But because of free will and choice, we chose to do stupid and go the other direction from what God called us to. 
You know, so Job understands these things. He knows he sins. Because right? in the beginning of Job, it talks about how he will sacrifice on the off chance that his children sinned. He wanted to be able to have them covered. Right? He, would, he would give sacrifices to God to cover for sins. Because back then, that's what you did, right? You, you sacrificed an animal. Shoot, in the beginning, God is the first one to kill something. God's the first one to kill something. The first death in the Bible is done by God. Because he kills an animal to cover Adam and Eve. Think about that one. You got a picture of Jesus right there in the very beginning of your Bibles. He covers them, right? It's the same thing Jesus did for us, right? On the cross, He sheds His blood. And now, He is resurrected. He's at the right hand of the Father. But He covers us with His righteousness. Pretty crazy, huh? To think that God would do that for us. For any of us. And we can all think about how horrible we once were. Or how often we still screw up. Okay? And we can hate that we do it, or we can love it. It's two different ways, right? One way, we can go after it and be like, yes, I'm going to live for this. I'm going to live for sin. I'm going to live for flesh. Or we can mortify sin, hate it, and try to stay away from it as much as possible. And when we do fail, we confess and we run to God instead of running away. So how many of us run away from God more than we run to God? I'd say, yeah. Whenever I screw up, more than likely I'm going to run away from God because now I think I'm not good enough to be near Him. It's a truth, but that's not how God sees it. He says, you're my son. You messed up. Don't do it again. Run to me. Just like the prodigal son. Finally got to the end of himself and he goes, I'm going to go back to dad. And when, God, and when the dad sees him coming over the hill, what does he do? Books it. Right? This was something that, that men in that time should not do. Because in order to run like that, you've got to hike up your dress and run. Right? They wore tunics and whatnot. Right? Things that go all, go all the way down from <laughs> neck to ankle. You've got to hike that sucker up and run. This was not something you did because it was unsightly. Right? They didn't exactly have underwear back then. There's a good picture for you guys. I know some of you thought of it, huh? <laughs> right? But that's what God does for us. He runs to us when He sees that my son is failing. My son is struggling. I want to go pick him up. And he's come to the end of himself. Right? My son has come to the end of himself. I will go to him. I will grab him and I will bring him back in. It's like the lost sheep. What does he do? Leaves the other ones who are doing good. And he goes and looks for the one. And he rejoices when he finds him. Brings him back. Right? Where are these people? You know why we're talked about as sheep all the time in the Bible? Because sheep are dumb. 
they're dumb. How many of you realize how dumb sheep are? Right? If they did not have a shepherd to lead them and guide them, they would continue to eat in the same spot, either gorging themselves to death or they would freeze to death or die in the heat because they would never drink water. Oh yeah. They'll do basically whatever the shepherd tells them, right? Because they know who the shepherd is and they know that, hey, this shepherd's not going to lead me astray. Right? Because the shepherds are not supposed to lead the flock astray. They're supposed to keep them on the narrow path, showing them the right way, showing them the truth of the Bible. The Bible tells us all these things we're not supposed to be doing, right? Right? Fornication, thieving, drunkenness, all these different things. And yet, we're like, I know what it says, but it's fun. I like these things. They make me feel good right now. Right? How many of us, that's basically what we live for. Feeling good right now. Right? Covering up some pain. Covering up something. Running from something. Instead of seeing the fact that there's a Redeemer says, I've paid for those things. You don't need to live in them. And instead of being happy here in the moment, why don't you come be fulfilled for eternity? I know that's what I would much rather have. Fulfillment for eternity. Which makes more sense to me. You know, be happy here on earth. You know, have all the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that I want and end up in a place of torment for the rest of eternity or live for the Lord who says that living for Him while not easy is worth it because in the end you will receive an imperishable crown. You will receive eternal life. You will receive Him and you will be with Him for all eternity. And you will get to see in your imperishable, brand new body, Jesus, God in the flesh, standing on the earth at the last day. Right? The Bible tells us at the final trumpet, when Jesus is descending to the earth for His second coming, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are still alive will rise with them. <coughs> and meet him in the air. As Jesus is coming down, we go up and then come right back. Jesus wants us to surrender ourselves and give every ounce of ourselves to him. This is hard. It's very hard. I mean, the rest of Job... What does, he, what does he do? He starts questioning God. What does God do? God goes, all right, man. You better gird yourself up because I'm about to give you some answers. I'm about to tell you what's up. He's about to tell him, where were you when I created the earth? 
Where were you when I set the lines of where the ocean can go? Where were you when I placed the stars? And I could just imagine Job going, oh, dang it. All right, I'm sorry. Right, but in all of it, he never curses God. Never once. And then God gives him at the end of it, he goes, you didn't curse me. I will bless you double what I allowed Satan to take from you. Right, think about that one. Satan had to be allowed to do what happened. He can't just do it. God has to say, oh, all right, I'll let you do that. Okay? Satan is not equal with God. He is created by him and he answers to him. No question about that. Okay? Yes, he wants to see you drugged down to the pit because he doesn't want to be lonely when he's there. And it says that the deepest, darkest, blackest place is reserved for him. He knows his end, and that's why he's trying so hard to get at so many of us. You can easily just go, you know what, Satan? I'm standing firm in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I will stand against your attacks, and I will trust the Lord. Now the question is, are you ready to really surrender? Are you ready to truly give your life over to Him? Or are you going to just keep playing the game? I don't want to just play the game. Right? The game is not fun. The game of giving myself over to substances, to sex, to thieving, to drunkenness, you name the sin. It makes you feel good in the moment. But the end is destruction. It doesn't matter what sin it is. It ends in destruction. Right? Ephesians reminds us that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Right? We are dead in our sins and trespasses. If you are living in sin right now, you are a zombie. You're the walking dead. Here's two of the very greatest words in the entire Bible. And I know it sounds weird, but I'm telling you, these are two of the most powerful words you'll ever hear. But God... Think about that. But God steps in. Steps out of eternity in the person of Jesus. Lives perfectly. Shows us exactly how humanity was supposed to be and live. And then he goes to a cross. He allows himself to be nailed to it. He takes on the full wrath of God instead of us. He's placed in a tomb where he lies for three days. And then he comes back to life. And 40 days after that, he ascends back into heaven. Where he's at right now. The right hand of the Father. Preparing a place for those who believe. And telling the accuser to shut his mouth. Because he accuses day and night. Okay, so you can either continue 
to live in your sins and trespasses and be dead. Or you can have your but God moment. It continues, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and transgressions, made us, can anybody guess the word? Alive. Hey, alive. <clears throat> of course, I lost my place. <laughs> Always happens. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Okay, that word grace. Sometimes we don't like that word, right? Because we're like, well, I got to do something, right? I got to pray a certain way. I got to do this certain prayer. I got to give my money. I got to do this. I got to do that. Grace doesn't mean, hey, do stuff and you can have this. Grace is you don't deserve this, but I'm giving it to you anyway. We do not deserve God's mercy and grace. We deserve his judgment and wrath. But he put it all on Jesus so you don't have to take it. If you refuse him, you will eventually get the wrath. If you give your life over to him, you are free from it. You can be set free from all your sins. Might take time. Sanctification's a process, man. And it will take time. We all still struggle no matter what. Okay? A lot of people think the greatest enemy is the devil. The greatest enemy is our flesh. Because it goes everywhere with us. <laughs> goes everywhere with us. And it's always going, hey, look at her. Hey, look at that. And that's why Paul said, I, in a way, punish or I beat my body down into submission. He's not like saying, hey, I go and whip myself. No, we don't do that type of thing. Okay? It's not what he was getting at. He's saying that I have been disciplining my body so that my flesh no longer reigns. Okay? No longer dead, but alive in Christ. And if you're alive in Christ, at the day of His return, you will see Him. Your Redeemer will be there standing. So I guess the final question would be, is there anybody in here who has maybe not surrendered their life to Christ yet? Or maybe wants to re-surrender their life and make it a true thing and truly live it. Well, if that's you, I want you to know it's a very simple thing. Okay, There's no special prayer. The sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. You need to place your faith in Christ, surrender to Him, and then live for Him, abiding in Him all the days of your life. Okay? If that is you, who here would be bold enough to stand up and say, yeah, I want to give my life back to Jesus. Awesome, bro. Awesome, bro. Awesome. Hey, for anybody else, that either means you're already there or you're not ready. I'll tell you right now, that's okay. It's okay if you're not ready. But don't take 
Don't take that much longer. Okay? You never know when your ticket's going to get punched. Okay? If you want to know more, come and talk to us, Steph. We'll gladly talk to you more. It's what we're here for. We're not here to make money. We're here to serve Jesus by serving you guys. Okay? Well, God's Word is true, and that's where we find the answers, man. 100%. So surrender your hearts and your minds, everything to Christ. Let Him be the Lord of your life. Abide in Him. Okay?